through 15. Glory to God. <laughs> you know what's bad when you, you even shock your own party. <laughs> yeah, your own party was probably woke up this morning talking about, he won? <laughs> you know, you know that had to be God. Your own party looking at saying, how in the world <laughs> did he get that done? <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. We began a series entitled The Safest Place to Be. Amen. Because people are always looking for the safest place to be. And we know people will do anything to try to keep them and their families safe. Amen. And we have all kind of ideas on how to keep ourselves safe and our families safe. But truly, we've been finding out the safest place to be in this day and time amen, is in the will of God for your life. In the what? Will of God for your life. Amen. The will of God is the safest place to be. You will find no safer place than in the will of God. Why? Because when you're in the will of God, the enemy can't touch you or your family. And I'm talking about the will of God concerning where you work, the will of God concerning where you send your children or allow your children to do or allow your children to go, the will of God concerning where your kids go to school or college, the will of God concerning where you live, the will of God concerning where you go to church, the will of God concerning your ministry. The will of God is the what? Is the what? Safest place to be. Well, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, once again, says, which has basically been our scripture text, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the what? World. It said, and the world passes away and the lust thereof. And he that what? Doeth the will of God. Does what? Abideth forever. It says, he that what? Doeth the will of God. Does what? Abide it forever. I tell you, y'all need to get y'all's Bibles out because if they mess up, y'all still got to look at the words, you know. <laughs> that don't stop you from looking at the word. Amen. So get your Bibles out or your phones out or whatever you have. Amen. And look at the word. We are a Bible-believing church. And we see, we look at the B-I-B-L-E. Amen. The screens are just a help. It's not a replacement. Amen. Glory to God. Once again, it said, the world passes away, and the lust thereof, and he that what? Doeth the will of God, does what? Abideth forever. We'll read it from the Amplified Translation. Once again, do not love the world of sin that opposes God and his what? Precepts, nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust and the sensual cravings of the flesh and the lust and the longing of the eyes and the boastful pride of life. In other words, he says, pretentious confidence in one's resources or in the stability of earthly things, because earthly things will not protect you. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. We know they're not stable. He said, these things do not come from the Father, but are from the world. So the world is passing away with it, its lusts, the shameful pursuits and ungodly longings. 
but the one who does the will of God and carries out his purposes lives forever. Lives for what? Lives for what? Ever. So the safest place to be is in the will of God. That means doing the will of God and carrying out his purpose for your life and your family's life. Now, we talked about being reverent and sensitive before God so you'll know what his will is for your life. We also talked about actively pursuing spiritual maturity. Why? Because the more spiritual you become, the more sensitive you become to the leading on the inside. And then we talked about using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might, that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. In other words, he said, evaluate yourself. Somebody say, evaluate yourself. Ask yourself questions before you act. Ask yourself questions before you go forward. Come on, say amen, somebody. Did I get a confirmed green light from God? He said, acknowledge me in how many of your ways? How many of your ways? All your ways. What's left after all? Nothing. And he will what? He will direct your path. All this is what? Is to make sure I'm in his what? In the will of God for my life because the will of God is the what? Safest place to be. Look at John 4.30 once again. St. John chapter 4 verse 30. It says, and they went out of the city and came unto him. And in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to, one to another, Has any man brought him aught to eat? And Jesus said unto them, My meat is to what? My meat is to do the will, do the will of him that what? Sent me. And to what? Finish his Work. In other words, what keeps me and sustains me is what? Doing the will of the Father and doing what? Finishing his work. That's what keeps me. That's what sustains me. And that's what keeps me safe along the way. Amen? That's what keeps me what? Safe along the way. And we're supposed to be followers of who? Of Christ. Well, look at John 6, 37. That assures my safety, being in his will. John 6, 37, it says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise, what? Cast out. For I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that, what? Sent me. And this is the Father's will, which he has sent me. That of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. For this is the will of what? Him. Will of what? Him that sent me. That every one of them, everyone which seeth the Son, believeth on him, that he may have what? Everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the what? Last day. But he says in verse 38, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but I came down from heaven to only do the will of him, of him that what? That sent me. And his will is to make sure everyone, amen, believes on me. Come on, say amen, somebody. And they too have what? Everlasting life. And he says, I'm going to raise even them up in the last day. 
And I believe we're living in a day where God's raising some people up. Let me say it again. We're living in a day where God is raising some people up, but he needs to, be, he needs to have people in the right place at the right time doing what he told them to do. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. Not your will, but his will. Not your will, but whose? His will. Amen. Glory to God. Go to Genesis 26.1. Because we know there's a difference between those that are sent and those that are went. Once again, there's a difference between those that are sent and those that are went. Those that are sent are divinely protected. Those that are sent, God takes care of them. Those that are sent, God prospers them on the way. Those that are sent, God makes sure they're safe and protected along the way. Come on, say amen, somebody. But those that went put themselves in danger. Those that went sometimes don't even have a covering. And they wonder why they get all these attacks. Because we have what? They went. They weren't. They weren't sent. Here in Genesis 26, 1, it talks about there was a what? Famine in the land. Beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. Notice it says, besides the first famine that his father went through, he said there's, there's, he's going through a, another famine. What is a famine? A famine is a season of lack. A famine is a season of doing without. Come on. A famine is a season of struggle. Come on, say amen, somebody. A famine is a, 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 famine is a, season, a season when you're worried about what may happen to your family. Come on, are you with me out here? During a season of famine, what happens? Decisions are made that affect you and those around you. Should I stay? Should I go? If there's nothing here, no way my family can survive and strive. So why should I stay here and starve and watch my family suffer like everyone else? There has to be a better place than this. The grass has to be greener over there. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. So one of the decisions people come up with is relocation. <laughs> Let me say it again. One of the decisions people come up with is what? Relocation. Well, let's relocate. Let's go somewhere else. Got to be better over there. And he said, let's what? That's what he said. Now, he said, let's relocate. He said, when my father went through the famine, he went to Egypt because that's what Abraham did. And it, it, they took care of him when he got there. But look at verse 2. And the Lord appeared unto him. He more bullshit. And said, go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Oh, my shaky, not I, my. 
He said, what? Go not down to what? Into Egypt. Dwell where? In the land which I shall tell thee. This tells us what? This tells us that he was planning on booking up and moving. Him and his family. They was about to take off and go to Egypt just like his father had done. But God had different plans for him. God had different plans for his life. God said, don't go down to Egypt. You go where I tell you to go. Not where you want to go because the grass looks greener over there. Oh, Then on top of that, God says in verse 3, sojourn in this land. Sojourn what? In what land? This land. He said, say, somebody say, this land. Well, wait a minute, God. Did you just tell me to stay in this land? Come on, we're talking about the land of famine. We're talking about the land where everybody's lacking. We're talking about the land where people are struggling to survive. And you want me to stay here? <laughs> and that's what people are doing. But look what God says, because it didn't stop there. God says, sojourn in this land. And he says, and I will be with thee. Where? In this land. And I will bless thee. Where? In this land. And unto thee and unto thy seed, I will give, these, these, give, give all these countries. Where? In this land. And I will what? Perform the oath or the promise which I swear unto Abraham thy father. Where? And this land. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven. Where? In this land. And will give unto thy seed. You worried about your family. Give unto thy seed all these countries. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Where? I will not only bless your children right here in this land. And because of you and your children stand in being obedient, because your children, because of you and your children staying and being obedient, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So you stand in my will and doing what I'm telling you to do affects you and your family and the nations of the world. Oh, you hear what I said? And the what? Nations of the world. It's not so much about the land, folks. It's about obedience and the trust you have in the Lord. Why? Because God can prosper you anywhere as long as you're in the will for your life. It's the safest place to be. He goes on to say, verse 5, because that Abraham, talking about your daddy, obeyed my what? Obeyed my what? Voice and kept my what? Charged my commandments and my statutes and my what? Law. In other words, follow the example of your daddy. 
He obeyed my voice. He kept my charge. He kept my commandments, my statutes, and my law. Just follow his example. This tells me something, though. This tells me that I have to set the example for my family to follow because why? One day they may face the same challenges that I'm facing right now today. And they need to know how to respond. They need to know that you don't have to run all the time. Just do what God told you to do. I have to be that example. You have to be that. You have to be that. And then in verse 6 it says, and Isaac did what? Dwelt in Gerah. Let me read this from the Good News Translation. I don't know if they have that translation, but let me read it from the Good News Translation. Verse 2 says, The Lord had appeared to Isaac and had said, Do not go to Egypt. Stay in this land where I tell you to stay. Live here, and I will be with you and bless you. I am going to give all this territory to you and your descendants. I will keep the promise I made to your father Abraham. I will give you as many descendants as there are stars in the sky. And I will give them all this territory and all the nations. He says, all the nations will ask me to bless them as I bless your descendants. Why? Because you become an example to the nations of what happens when you remain in the will of God, regardless of the circumstances. Regardless of what? What happened? They will turn to God and ask him to bless them like he's blessed you and your family. And they'll stop running. They'll stop trying to run from God. And instead, you'll cause them to run to God. Come on, say amen, somebody. The New Living Translation reads verse 5 this way. The New Living Translation. It says, I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, commands, decrees, and what? Instructions. He obeyed all. All. My requirements, all my commands, all my decrees, and all, all. He didn't say some, only when I want to. All my what? Instructions. Even after he had heard of all that he had still had, even after all that, he still, even after he said that, he still had to make a decision, folks. He still had to make a decision after God told him all of that. Why? Because sometimes people know the will of God, but yet still won't do it. It comes down to, do I trust God? It comes down to my faith in God's ability to do what he said he's going to do. Do I truly believe that? Well, that was enough for Isaac. Come on, say amen, somebody. 
He heard the what? He heard the word on it. He put his trust in it. He believed it and received it. And it says, so Isaac stayed where? He what? He stayed in Gerah. He had to receive what God had told him. And he had to trust it. He had to believe God. Come on, say amen, somebody. Because when he looked on the outside circumstances, he still was start, had a struggle saying, whew, okay, God, all right, I'm going to stay here. But, you know, it's kind of dry out here. <laughs> you know, there's people begging in the streets, they're so poor. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay here. Why? Because I'm going to trust you. Because I'm going to, I'm going to trust you right here where you told me to be. So Isaac stayed in garage. Hallelujah. But right in the middle of that, Right after that, we know he had a quick relapse <laughs> about his trust in God. Right after this, he had a relapse. Because it says in verse 7, and the men of the place asked him of his wife. Now, this is customary in those days. If you had a pretty wife like I do, The men of that country would say, I want your wife. And if you said no, they would snatch her from you and would kill you on the spot. But God, what does, but God just told him. Just told him. I mean, the words are still fresh off the printing press. I'm going to take care of you. He forgot all about what God just said that quick. And sometimes we do the same thing. God will tell us something. And the Bible says the devil comes immediately <laughs> to do what? To steal the word. He will come immediately and he'll hit you with something. And you forget everything God told you. And you'll start trying to get it out. You'll start trying to get it out your way. And you'll start doing the way you want to do it and doing your will instead of his will. And that's exactly what Isaac did. He, listen, he now began to follow the bad example of his father. <laughs> Why? Because we know his father did the exact same thing. And listen here, folks. You have to be careful because your kids will do exactly what you do and what you did in the past. Oh, okay. Hallelujah. If you lived with someone, they'll live with someone. If you were a womanizer, they become a womanizer. If you were a loose woman, your daughter will become loosey-goosey. 
If you were a party animal, carnival animal, they can't wait to get grown so they can do the same thing. Hello? Amen? And see, you want them to pick up your good traits. But sometimes, because you keep reliving the past, and you don't monitor certain things, and you keep reliving that old man, they pick up your bad traits. And end up being out of the wood of God for, for their lives. So, just like his father, he said, she's my sister. <laughs> for he what? He feared to say. Come on, where fear is present, faith is not. Trusting God was not even on his mind at this point. All he's thinking about is what? Himself. Saving his self. Saving his own butt. He said, she is my wife. Lest, said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebecca. Because she was what? She was fine. She was fair to look upon. But think about it. What happened to, I will be with you and bless you? Ain't that what God told him? I will be with you and what? Bless you. That went right out the window when that challenge came. However, listen to me now. However, because he obeyed God and stayed in the land, God's providence stepped in. See, when we do have, and we do, we have our shortfalls. Am I right or wrong? When we do have our shortfalls, thank God God is right there to pick us up. But a lot of times, he picks us up just because we are where he wants us to be. Because we all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. Look at verse 8. And it came to pass when he had been there, what? A long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of the window and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his wife. In other words, he seen them acting like a married couple out there. Come on, he was tapping her where no other man was tapping her. Come on, say amen, somebody. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. He's only he, he seen him doing only what married people do. Only what married people do. Only what married people do. <laughs> yeah, hear that back to teenagers. Only what married people do. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he seen Isaac was sporting with Rebecca, his wife, because he's doing what only. <laughs> Amen. And Abimelech saw Isaac and said, Behold, of a surety she is thy wife. How do you know that? <laughs> She, he was doing what only. 
surety, she is thy wife. How said it thou, she is my sister? You don't treat your sister like that, boy. You don't be hitting your sister like that. <laughs> Come on. Amen. Something wrong with this picture. <laughs> that ain't no sister tap. Amen. And I said unto him, because I said, lest I die for her. He tried to blame her. I'm, I don't want to die for her. <laughs> lest I die for her. <laughs> she needs me. <laughs> and she needs me. I can't die, so I had to say she's my sister. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> a lot of women said, just like a man. Come on. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and Abimelech said, what is this thou hast done unto us? One of the people might lightly have leaned with thy wife. One of my people might have did something with thy wife. And I had no control over it. Thou should have brought, and, and, and thou should have what brought guiltiness upon us. And Abimelech, he said, let me put out a decree right now. It said, charge all his people. <laughs> he said, he charged all his people. Everybody in his kingdom. Hey, you see this thing right here? I don't care how pretty she is. He that touches this man, touches this man or his wife, I'm going to put you to death. What is this? This is God honoring his word. In spite of us. Oh, you didn't hear what they said. God told him, as long as you are in my will for your life, I will be with you. And I will what? And I will what? Bless you. Listen, if I'm with you, there ain't nothing going to happen to you. Come on. If I'm with you, ain't nothing going to happen to you. What does Proverbs 16, 7 say? It says when a what? When a man's what? Ways do what? Please the Lord. What do he do? Oh, some of y'all better receive that right there. He maketh even his what? His enemies to be at what? Peace with him. Now we're going to see more and more of this as the story unfolds. Go back. Verse 12 of Genesis 26. So it says, then Isaac did what? Isaac did what? Sold in what land? Why did he say that land? Because that's the land he put in. He sold where? In that land. He sold where? In that land. Now we just read in Genesis 26, 1. That there was a famine in the land. And according to Homan's Bible Dictionary, Homan's Bible Dictionary, Homan Bible Dictionary, <laughs> a famine is an extreme shortage of food 
and a drought is an excessive dryness of land. Now, if the land is dry, can you plant anything? If the land is dry, how are you going to produce a harvest if your seed doesn't get any water? There is no food because there are no crops. There are no crops because there is no water. The ground is not producing anything. These are what? Hard times. Say neighbor, hard times. Come on. We're in the middle of a famine. And see, the best thing you can do for you and your family is to hold on to your seed until times get better. This is not the time to sow. You need everything you got. That's the way most people think. And they place themselves out of the will of God. Why? Because it becomes a trust issue once again. Can God take care of me in the midst of a famine? Sure, if you will do what he tells you to do while you're in the famine. And the first thing God won't tell you to do is to stop sowing. Oh, I'm preaching good in why? Because you're not working his law. If you're not working what he put in place, then you're out of the will of God concerning your welfare. What is that law? Genesis 8, 22. The first thing God will not tell you to do is stop sowing. Why? Because you're not working his law that he placed in the earth. And he said in Genesis 8, 22, while the earth remaineth. That's going to be what? Seed time and harvest. Is, is there seed time and harvest? Cold and heat. We still have cold and heat? Do we still have summer and winter? Do we still have day and night? He says, shall not what? See, because there are laws that are put in place. These things are going to happen. Sowing is his will for your life especially in times of famine. Why? Because you give his law an opportunity to work. Let me say it again. Because you give his law a what? An opportunity to work. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1. Look what it says. It says, cast thy what? Bread upon what? The waters. For thou shalt what? Find it after many days. Say, give a portion to seven and also to eight. For thou knowest not what evil, listen to this, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. In other words, sow where God tells you to sow because why? As long as you have seed in the ground, when something unforeseen shows up, your seed will cover you. Did you hear what I said? You'll be safe because why? You're in my will concerning the law that he put in place concerning your welfare. 
Look at verse 3. He says, if the clouds be full of rain, they what? They empty themselves upon the earth. If a tree falls south towards the, towards the south or towards the north, and the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. Verse 4 says, he that observeth the wind shall not what? Shall not what? So, but he that regardeth the clouds shall not what? Reap. In other words, you're only sowing when conditions are right. When money's flowing in, your bills are paid, and you have some leftover, <laughs> then you'll sow. But if there's a storm brewing over your finances, oh and even if you feel a little breeze of wind blowing, you'll keep what you got until it blows over. But he says, if you do that, you shall not reap. You shall not what? Reap. Because why? Because you have nothing in the ground. Because you allowed your circumstances to overrule the law God put in place concerning your welfare in times of trouble. As long as the earth remained, there be what? Seed, time, and harvest. But there's no sowing of seed. If there's no sowing of seed, there is no Look at verse 5. And thou knowest not what is thy way of the spirit. In other words, the wind blows, but you can't see it. Come on, you're still trying to figure out which direction it's coming from. Then he says, Know how the bones do grow in the womb. I've heard that as with child. Come on, it's beyond comprehension sometimes how that baby can grow in the womb of a woman and have life in it. Still have a heartbeat. Still receive nourishment. Still breathing. It's amazing. Tell your neighbor, it's amazing. That's why God is pro-life. That's why God is pro-life. That's why God said life begins in the womb. At conception. Come on, say amen, somebody. Then he says, even so, thou knowest not the works of God who make of all. See, you don't know what God is doing or what God is going to do or how he's going to show up, but he will show up. You hear what I said? You may not know what God is doing. You may not see it. You don't even know how he's going to do it, but he will do it, and he will show up. He's always on time. So it goes on to say, in the morning do what? Sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thy what? Hey, in other words, don't stop sowing your seed even if times get hard for you. Why? Because that's how you come out. Why? Because you're working God's law that works if you work it. A law is designed to work every time. 
If you take the law of gravity, the law of gravity works whether you believe it or not. Just try it. Go on top of this building and say, I'm going to defy the law of gravity and jump. And tell me whether or not it still works. Come on, say amen, somebody. The law of sowing and reaping works every time if you trust God and believe what he says will come to pass. Are you listening to me out here? It goes on to say, for thou knowest not whether it shall, shall prosper, whether it shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall what? Be alike good. You don't know which of the seeds you planted is going to come to full harvest when you need it. All you do is you know, I worked the law. I worked it. I worked it. I worked it. I, I did what God told me to do. God is going to do his thing because why? I'm in his will concerning sowing and reaping. Oh, come on. Anybody with me out here? What am I doing? I'm sowing where he wants me to sow. That's why you need to pray over your seed and ask God, where do you want, it? Where, where do you want me to sow today? We know tithes are standard, but when you talk about offering, you sow where God wants you to sow. You got to get in your heart. I just want to be a blessing so that I can keep blessings flowing in my life. Let me read this from the Living Bible. Ecclesiastes 11.1. The Living Bible. It says in the Living Bible, give generously for your gifts will return to you later. You hear what it said? It said, said give what? For your gifts will what? Return to you later. He says, divide your gifts among many, for in the days ahead you yourself may need much help. He says, when the clouds are heavy, the rain comes down. When a tree falls, whether south or north, the dye is cast, and there it lies. He says in verse 4, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Amen. Amen. Here I just said he said, if you wait for perfect conditions to sow, you'll never get anything done. God's ways are mysterious as the pathway of the wind and as the manner in which a human spirit is infused into the little body of a baby while it is, is, is yet in the mother's womb. He says, keep on sowing your seed. Keep on sowing your Keep on sowing your seed for you never know which will grow Perhaps it all will. And then he says in verse 7, it's a wonderful thing to be alive. He said, perhaps it all will, folks. See, I'm believing that every seed I ever planted is still growing. And the seed I'm still planting now will bring me the harvest I need when I need it. Because why? That's what his word says. So go back to Genesis 26, 12. Are you still with me out there? Genesis 26, 12. Now we're still talking about being in the will of God as a safe place to be, right? 
especially when it concerns the welfare of your family financially. Especially when you're in the middle of a financial famine. Genesis 26, 12 says, then Isaac what? Sold the land. In the middle of what? In the middle of land of what? A famine. What did he do? He obeyed and trusted God no matter the conditions or what other people were doing or what other people were saying. Because you know people in that country were talking. Come on. It's a drought and you sowing seed. He's got to be crazy. Doesn't he know we're in the middle of a drought? Doesn't he know people are starving out here? He must not have any farming experience. Or he's just playing out of his mind. Come on, say amen, somebody. To be sowing and wasting his seed during times like this. He's sowing when he should be storing in their eyes. Come on, say amen, somebody. He's sowing when he should be storing like the rest of us. But it says Isaac did what? He sowed in the land, but it says, and, in, and received in the same year. A what? A hundredfold, and the Lord did what? And the Lord did what? Bless them. Isn't that what God told he was going to do if he stayed in the land and did what he told him to do? See, the blessings he needed to make it through this famine wasn't in Egypt. Let me say it again. The blessing he needed to make it through this famine wasn't in Egypt. It was where God told him to be. It was in that place. That place where God told him to sow. It was in that place where God brought forth a hundredfold. And it was in that place where God blessed him and his entire family survived the famine. They did what? But they not only survived the famine, they strived during the famine. Oh, you didn't get that. that they not only survived, but they strived. They not only survived, but they what? Strived in the middle of that famine while everybody else was starving around them. But not his household. But not his household. But not his household. It says in verse 13, and the man waxed what? Great. And went what? Forward and grew until he became what? Very great. I like where the Amplified Bible reads verse 13. Amplified Bible reads, and the man Isaac became great and gained more and more until he became very wealthy and extremely distinguished. Somebody say, I'll take that. Then in verse 14, it says, For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds. He had what? Possession of flocks and possession of what? Herds. Flocks and herds need water. Right? Flocks and herds need to be fed every day. His flocks were multiplying in the middle of a famine. His herds were producing more herds. 
in the middle of a famine. Well, listen, something's going on here. Then it says, and a great store of servants. What servants? What happened? He became the biggest employer in the valley. Everybody wanted to work for Isaac. Because why? That's where the food was. Oh, yeah, I hear what I said. He became the source of their supply in that region. Yeah, I hear what I just said. He became the source of their supply in that region, folks. Not the government. And it says, and the Philistines envied him. See, the government was the Philistines. They were the ones people looked to. They were the ones to provide for the needs. But guess what? There was a famine in the land, and they didn't have it. And the people seen that, and they started applying for a job of Isaac instead of the government. And the government got jealous. And they start trying to stop what God was doing for this man and the will of God for his life. Come on, say amen, say the family. Amen. But where was Isaac getting this water from to fertilize the seed he was planting? From the wells his father Abraham had dug. Look at verse 15. For all the wells which his father's servant had digged in the days of who? Abraham, his father. The Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. See, God, listen to this now. God showed him the wells his father had dug years ago. If he would have left and went to Egypt, he would have never found them. And his family would have suffered. Let me read it from the New Living Translation. Verse 13. New Living Translation reads, He became a very rich man, and his wealth continued to grow. <laughs> he acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, and servants that the Philistines became very jealous of him. So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. Isaac's well with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father, Abraham. Listen, you may have some wells right here that you don't know about, that your mama or your daddy, your grandpa or grandpa dug years ago. Or seed that been sold years ago that has yet to be harvested and just laid up in store for when you build when you need it and build upon what they did. Being where God wants you to be, sowing where God wants you to sow, being in His will opens up an avenue of blessing that you never thought you had, but it's been there all the time. 
Oh, somebody better receive that. Look at how great he got. Verse 16. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go from us. <laughs> For thou art what? Much mightier than we. The New Living Translation reads it this way. Finally, Abimelech, Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. Go somewhere else, he said, for you have become too powerful for us. Why? Because everybody was looking to Isaac and not them anymore. Listen, folks, that's power. Let me say it again. That's power. Why? Because you have what everybody else needs. And when you have what everybody else needs, you have the power. Somebody say, I got the power. So he said, it's time for you to go. Because <laughs> you're causing me too many problems. You're about to make me lose my power that I have over these people. So he says, and Isaac did what? Verse 17. Departed thence and pitched his what? Tent in the valley of Gerah and dwelt there. Now, he didn't leave the country. God told him not to go. He taught God to him what? To stay there. So he just moved down the street. <laughs> Why? Because he knew that's where his blessing was. And that's where his safety was. And that was the will of God for his life at that time. Because the safest place to be is where? In the will of God. But as we close, go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 3. Because God dropped this in my spirit while I was preparing this. And I've been sensing this all day. I've been sensing this all day. Notice he says, if the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And I looked up, you know, how do clouds get full of rain? That's curious. The curious minds want to know. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So I said, when the warm wet, when it's warm, wet air rises. It cools and water vapor condenses out to form clouds. To form rain, water vapor and tiny particles of dust or pollen sweep up high into the atmosphere to form condensing droplets. When condensing droplets get large and heavy enough to overcome the upward convection, they begin to fall. In other words, when the clouds become full, then it what? Empties itself upon the earth. And God said, somebody's cloud. is filling up. Somebody's cloud is already full, and you're about to get emptied upon. Oh, somebody's blessings about to pour upon your life like you've never seen before. I'm talking about a downpouring of blessing. Somebody need to give God praise. I've been sensing all day that 
We're living in a time God's getting ready to do something. God's getting ready to do something. Man, I've been sensing that God's getting ready to do something. God's getting ready to prosper us like we never prospered before. And it's because we're where we're supposed to be and we've been sowing and sowing and sowing. My clouds been filling up. Come on, say amen, somebody. And God is about to drop a load on me. The cloud is full. It is about to empty. Lift your hands and give God praise. Lift your hands and give God glory. Lift your hands and give God honor. Hallelujah. 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 I truly believe that we're going into at least the next four years of prosperity that we never experienced before. You better take advantage of it. Say it again. You better take advantage of it. You better take advantage of it. Because I truly believe that God's getting ready to do some things in the next four years. Especially in the body of Christ. Why? Clouds are full. Your cloud is full. Your cloud is full. And it's about the emptiest stuff. Hallelujah. You're going to need more than a bathtub. You're going to need a swimming pool. Hallelujah. There shall not be room enough for you to receive. Hallelujah. Because God's getting ready to show up and show out. Come on, I feel it. I sense it. God's getting ready to do some things in your life. Hallelujah. Turn some things around just to prove to the world this is my child. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're facing an awakening, folks. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, shake it. Nada baba shata tata. Shake it. Jemo mama maha shata nora mama ha. Ha 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 ha. Shake it. Kiro mama shake. Oh my Come on, lift your hands and believe I receive that right now. Hallelujah. Come on, believe it you receive it right now. Come on, believe it you receive it right now. Ha 